0: Two, ready, one. Hello and welcome to Say That the podcast, where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glen Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA.
1: I'm a hollow shell of a man.
0: And that's certainly true. Also joining us, Jed Rood, the director of Mission USA Productions. Is that shell
2: filled with a creamy nougat center, though? Oh, I wish. Okay. Well, you know, it's good to have options.
0: Not every shell is filled with nougat, Jed. In my mind and in my heart. <laughs> Fair enough. Also joining us all the way from Mercury Rich Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I do have to
3: say that I've been enjoying the social media updates from Jed where he tells us where he is and what he's about to
1: eat. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, they sort of read like a suicide note
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you if you string them all together. Certainly,
1: yeah.
2: That,
0: that's the that's going to be the follow up to that thirteen reasons show. Yeah, is yeah. thirteen Jed meals.
1: Yeah, yeah. Goodbye, cruel world. Yeah, you know that I'm going uh, to Arby's. I'm going to Arby's. <laughs> right. The roast
0: beef catastrophe is upon us. <laughs> right. I'm eating an M M&M and M churro. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> That sounds pretty good, y'all.
1: You won't have Jed Brewer to kick around anymore. Yeah,
2: exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Now Glenn made me eat a caramel
1: churro. That was on him. Well, that first of all, it was closing time. <laughs> yes. And we saw them. Yes. And I think it's true and a fact. Yeah. And this is science. Yeah. If you see a churro, you pretty much have to eat it.
2: Yeah, exactly right. That's what that Japanese horror movie The Ring was about. Exactly. Yes. Because
1: what it gets in your brain. <laughs> yes. That you have to have it.
2: Exactly right. It turns out though, much like a horror movie, if you eat a caramel churro like sixty seconds after it comes out of the deep fryer
1: it will completely fry the inside of your mouth.
2: Yeah. Yes. You'll, You'll just, never taste anything again.
1: <laughs> well, you know what you could do? It just sit there like a person let it cool down. That's for chumps. But neither of us <laughs> took that option. No. Yeah, but
3: that last taste, Jed, the last thing you ever tasted was a deep-fried caramel searing
0: jewelry. pain. Oh, <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> Burns so good. It's true in confections, it's true in other areas of life. Good decisions are not made by being desperate at closing time.
2: Well, that's definitely true. Now, look, we got a lot of things that we could talk about that are food-related. Apparently not. And, you know, I'd like to go all night on that. Me too. Because nothing excites me more than bad culinary decisions. Right. However. Uh-oh. We have an emergency. Whoa. Oh, good heavens. Is it
1: more important than food talk? It, it concerns the future of a
2: young man, but in a sense, the future of a very nation. Wow. Uh, okay, so Barely. Barely, not by much, but a little bit. All right. Okay. All right. So we need some context for this emergency. Some of you may know, Glenn is not aware, but some of you may know that we have a radio show here in Chicago. Right. Q Rock 100.7 FM. Right. We do the Bridge Loud every
0: uh, Saturday night. Saturday night into Sunday morning at 3 a.m. That's the good slot. We call that drive time. (laughs) Technically, someone is driving at that time.
2: It's the overnight slot. So we do the show and it's, you know, it's for folks going through a rough time. That's that's the whole that's point right. of if it. If you're
0: up at 3 a.m. listening to the radio, probably going through a rough time. So the people listen,
2: they love it, they it's going good, but we take that show and we make a podcast out of it. Uh, right. and you can you know check that podcast out every Friday. It's the Bridge Loud, uh, yep. bridgeloud.podbean.com. Have all kinds of good links for now, you. What
1: are you saying? You said I may not be aware of this. Yeah, I don't
2: think you know about any of this
1: actually. Well, am I aren't I on that radio show? not that i recall
2: okay yeah no no i don't think so
0: i'll check the tapes but I'm... maybe do that because it sounds familiar <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay
0: glenn it's made... not that hard to slide things like that by glenn glenn we were at that meeting with that pastor he said that thing was i at that
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm only listening to about every other word i, I got too much to do so we have a radio
2: show. It gets podcasted. Glenn May or may not be on it, but here's Fair enough. It's, it's hard to say. Here's the important thing is uh, one of our friends, a listener, our, our friend Tommy, from Seattle,: right? That's in Washington.: Oh yeah, Oh, that's Seattle. I see.: Yeah. He's listening to the podcasted version, because, you know, the transmitter doesn't go all the way to Seattle. Right. Oh. that would be pretty would be pretty far away sure. So he's he's forced to listen to the podcast version, yeah, so he uh writes in to tell us, I love the show and but here's where we get into the problem, okay, it's good that you love the show, right. you should of course, of course, but was totally listening to this while I procrastinated and didn't do homework. whoa, come on, okay,
1: okay, so he's listening to the rock and roll, yeah, and not doing his schoolwork. he's getting the wisdom, yeah. And what what kind of homework we're talking
2: about here? He didn't specify, but, uh, you know, I assume the scholastic kind. Well,
1: well, that's the best kind. Some of that's pretty stupid. Sure, that is true. And it's just as well that you don't. Do sure, it. absolutely. You know? Here's first of do, all.
4: Do, do, do.
1: <laughs> here's what I think. You go to the school, yeah. tell the teacher what the deal is. Yeah. Nope, don't do that. I got more important things to do. Teach. I nope. was too busy
0: rocking. That's no. right. You can't stop to rock. <laughs> this is not the first act of a 1950s version of a 1990s Michelle Pfeiffer movie. <laughs> it's a non-stop oh, wow. block of rock.
4: Teach.
1: Yo. Yo.
0: Yo.
4: No.
1: And that's what, that's what uh, because then the teacher would be like, you know what? That's right. Yeah. Thank you.
3: Here, here's what I'm saying is, as a parent of children who have homework, I can't be in favor of of, of this brother not doing his homework.
2: However,
3: yep. I'm willing to let it slide on one condition.
2: Okay. Leave a review. Leave a review. Leave a review People. You gotta leave a review. Leave a review. It's the like get out a of jail free card. The bridge loud is on iTunes, y'all. Absolutely. You can go there. You can leave a review for iTunes it.
3: has
1: a system. By which you could leave a review.
2: Yeah. What
1: what time is it on
0: iTunes? All times, all times, he, Glenn. He,
3: but here's the thing: is for folks listening so to this, Glenn barely himself. got that <laughs> sentence saying. out before his face here's exploded into liquid joy. You may, if you if you listen to
0: the show regularly, <laughs> if this is your first time. After your first time, God bless your soul. It's Like yeah, this all the time. Uh, but if you've listened for last couple episodes at least, you may remember that uh, last episode or the episode before, we couldn't remember. There's a moment where we were talking about Glenn's blog and a question that came into it, and it's yeah. quite popular. That's yeah, nice exactly. to remind us. And Jed with an extraordinarily straight face, stared Glenn right in his eye sockets and said, what's a blog? (laughs) And what you have just witnessed, dear listener, is delayed revenge. Yes.
1: That's right. Yes. here's what I'm saying. Yes. You gotta quit school. You gotta. That's essential. That's rock
0: and roll. That
1: is definitely rock and roll. You both have bachelor's degrees. You are saying things you don't If you learned nothing else from this show on rock radio. Yeah. It's quit school. We're not gonna take it. That's this what I'm saying. No!
0: (laughs) Never take advice from D. Snyder.
1: No. (laughs) We ain't gonna take
0: it. That's a terrible role model. (laughs) We don't need no education. That's That's right. at least better musically, if not (laughs) from a message standpoint. (laughs) Well, that
2: depends. Is it the Floyd version
1: or the Korn version?
2: Uh Uh-oh.
0: Aren't they both better than Twisted Sister? Well, yes, that is true.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just, I want to throw this out there. You don't like it. Well, you just, you send it right back. Okay. Can we get the teacher on the phone? Yes. No. Right. And yes. Say nope. That violates what?
0: any number of FCC guidelines. Uh, this might be my opening line in your face. No. Yeah. We cannot call and harass people. We are not the Jerky Boys. Yeah. And
2: then we'll say we know. took Tommy to the
0: School of Hard Rock.
1: No.
2: That's
0: it. Absolutely. <laughs> you not. can't keep us down, man. Yeah. I have can't have been
1: silence the
4: Rock. man. So Ow. many
0: lawsuits about radio hosts doing this very thing.
4: <laughs> We're
0: not going to get involved. You know what in that this. is.
2: Free publicity. Exactly right. That's... No,
0: lawyers are not free. <laughs> it is not free in any way, shape, or form.
2: Yeah. I think yeah. we've worked this one out. Well, look, here's the thing. We don't want to ruin any promising careers. Uh, nope. uh, probably. 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 You know, Enjoy the bridge loud in moderation. Yes. Right. That's important. Will it melt your face? Of course. There's sir. no
1: stopping that.
2: That's what it's there for. Right. That's the thing. You melt the face, you get the wisdom. It's a whole deal. Right. That's why the people love it. yeah But there are a That's limits. the worst
0: version of first we get the money, then we get the women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Here, here's what I'm saying. And, uh young, young Thomas, I'd like to speak direct with you at this moment. Yeah. Mm. Um, I flunked out of college. I did. Um, Not because I was listening to cool rock radio shows. Now he's the host of this super cool podcast. Right, You can do it too. (laughs) No, flunk out. (laughs) Absolutely not. Here's what I'm here to tell you. I then went back and finished. And I feel that if I don't mention that part of the story... My mother will appear from behind me and murder me. <laughs> but also, here's the thing: it's so much paperwork. Yeah. To get when you do the flunk out to get the back end, you gotta with the references and with the essay about why you did bad. You won't do, do bad anymore. Just just do your homework now and then yeah. listen to the podcast afterwards. We're not gonna take it. No. Yeah.
1: yeah that's no. Right.
0: <laughs> no, absolutely not. First that's of all, all hearing, I can't find the sentiment, and second of all, I will have no more D. Snyder references on this podcast. <laughs> yes. We're not paying royalties to anyone. We can't afford it, much less D <laughs> to the estate of D. Snyder, Esquire. <laughs> See what you've done, Tommy. That's what you See you've what done. you've done. You've, you've invoked D. Snyder, and that is the least rock and roll thing.
1: You've kicked off the revolution. Yeah. If
0: Q-Rock finds out that we're making all sorts of Twisted Sister jokes, we're going to get booted off the radio. Yeah. yeah,
1: they probably wouldn't go for that. This is the end that's better yeah so here's what i think Okay. Oh, good. here's First,
0: what glenn thinks
1: now here's what a lot of people are going to tell you you're going to need that education yes people like, will tell you that because it's true because you know like you can get a job or something. yes right
0: okay hundreds of thousands of dollars in lifetime earnings are the difference here's here's what here's what you do you tell them my job is rocking no yeah okay <laughs> yeah look here's the thing rock
1: and roll no both. it's not
0: Jed and I, later in the week, are going to do some rock and rolling. We're going to go with a friend of ours to record in one of the nicest studios in the city of Chicago. Right. A large city with a strong rock and roll heritage for the princely sum of $50 per hour. That is okay. true. You can, your job is not rock and roll. No one's job is rock and roll. <laughs> yeah,
2: that is, that is true.
1: <laughs> Here's what I'm saying. By day... You flip them pancakes. No. By night, you rock and roll. That's right. No,
0: by day, you do the data entry at the place with the health plan. And then by night, you do the rock and roll.
1: Let me tell you what. When I was in school, I was determined to drop out. You yeah. Know? And, and I you was, succeeded. I was working. I did. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me. I was on one of those special dean's lists <laughs> and it was not like the honor roll. Okay. Double C It was in a, a list that a
0: picture in the Dean's <laughs> office with a big red X through right. it.
1: And I wanted to quit school, so true story, I got a job frying chickens. Okay. And this job was so bad at one point I was having to uh debate and uh, argue my way into being the person that got to go outside and smoosh down the garbage in the dumpster <laughs> because you can get some fresh air. Was everybody and everybody? Get outside, yeah. And I found myself saying, so I'm saying, no, let me stomp on the trash. Yeah, I
0: deserve it." And That's then rock I and
1: s- roll, man. That, no. Yeah, that was really. No.
2: And then...
0: Begging to go stomp down the trash behind the fried chicken factory is not rock and roll.
2: That could be your life, Tommy. On the other hand, hey, Glenn, you've been gigging? <laughs> that's no. Right. That's right. Because I've been right. gigging. Impressing yeah. the guy
0: at the guitar center is not an argument for. Seriously, this is a
2: true story. I walked into a guitar center a few years ago. I'm in the drum section. I, I happen to play drums. And the dude, the guy who works there shouts at me yes. from across the the thing It's a large area. "Hey, bro! You've been gigging?" And and I, I I no, I mean not not I've been gigging. And then proceeds to tell me about his many, many gigs.
1: He couldn't and wait like, to tell you.
0: And Jed were they like, "Awesome, rock and roll." Really hardcore glamorous gigs, gigs. Is that, um... weddings, bat mitzvahs, yeah. third birthdays. Yeah, yeah pretty, <laughs> rock, and pretty yeah. rock and
2: roll. Pretty rock and roll. So, listen to The Bridge Loud, but in moderation. Yeah. Yep. And, and quit your day job. Stay Leave school. Review. And leave a review. And leave a review. And on that basis, I declare an emergency off. Absolutely right. A
0: revolution on. No, no. <laughs> Ow, the revolution really? must be educated. <laughs> and have all sorts of dropouts running a revolution. <laughs> they won't know how to do anything. Historically, that has worked poorly. Yeah. Here's the thing. We, we, Tommy, we're, we're glad you wrote in. We're glad you enjoyed the show. We're glad all of you enjoy the shows we put out. Um, we, we've, as you may have guessed, all the people on the show have done a massive amount of academic procrastinating. Yes, in their lives. And uh, we're glad you, you, we're your vehicle of choice to that, but stay in school, kids. Stay in school. And also leave a review because that's our version of indulgences. Yeah. If you leave a review, yeah. you can do whatever you want. We'll get behind it. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. We are very cheap to be bought off. Yeah, that's, that's true. Right. Now, because members of this illustrious eh, group stayed in school and learned how to do things like produce music and build web design and Gigs, run of ministry. Some... Gigs of various kinds, yeah. no doubt.
1: Smoosh down garbage. Smoosh yeah.
0: down the garbage, which has to happen all the time. Uh, we can bring you bridge box. And Ooh. if there was if there was all sorts of garbage just flowing <coughs> out of the trash cans behind his house, Glenn wouldn't have any time to no. write the sermon for the bridge box. That's right. This is why we have these are all life skills. Yes. But every month we put out Bridgebox. Only you can sign up for only $8 a month. That features sermons, songs, Bible studies, all sorts of stuff that this relatively to semi-educated group of people have worked very hard mm-hmm. to put out on a monthly basis. Every, each, week, each month is based around a topic. For the month of May, we are in How Do I Get Rest in a Non-Stop World. Lots of good stuff on that. Songs from Lee. Songs from Lee's wife, Christy. Fantastic tune. Yes. You got songs from Jed. Songs from her friend, Pete Tasha. The ever mysterious and reclusive pool house guru. You also got sermons from myself and Glenn, and Bible studies, lots of other good stuff, missionusa.com slash bridgebox if you want to check that out. All right, we're going to jump to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us. This one, and we'll see if we can resist not doing the same joke we did last week, but hopes aren't high. Okay. Came into Glenn's blog. I hear it's quite popular.
1: Mm. I hadn't heard that, but that's certainly good news. I've heard of blogs.
0: Oh, well, we're making progress. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy worship music. (laughs) That's a real thing. Not to sidetrack before you get into any question. Bless him, a young man on one of our host teams has come up after the service and Jed has led, you know, 50 to 60 non non-church, hardcore, you know, ex-cons and drug addicts in worship so loud, it will blow your wig back, to quote one on that. And this guy walks up afterwards, says, Jed, my name is redacted. Yeah. I enjoy worship music. Not I liked what you did, yeah, or right. I like your worship music. Just I enjoy worship music. I just kind of stared at him for a minute. And, well, that's that's good, man. Gosh. I'm I'm glad you enjoy worship music. And here a, a bonus lesson, a bonus piece of advice in this week's say That Podcast. If you, dear friends out there in podcast land, don't get a hold of your own insecurities, that will be as close <laughs> as you can come to giving a compliment. And that's hey, no way to go through
1: life. Maybe he's inviting you to say
0: something you like.
1: <laughs> I like pistachios.
0: I like cinnamon churros.
1: <laughs> but you gotta let him cool. You
0: gotta trust me, bro. Fool
1: me <laughs> once. Much like motion Me. <laughs> Can't
0: be fooled again. Oh, me twice, can't be fooled again. Oh, so it's such a weird dogleg <laughs> before I even get to reading the question. This is a question that came in to UncleGlenn.com. It says... "Why popular. Thank you. I went home to see my family and our church had an Easter pageant. Ooh, it was yeah. elaborate Ooh. and looked expensive. Yeah, well, it
1: probably was. I
0: felt bad because it seemed like a show and it didn't really connect with me. Afterward, everyone was like, and I'm going to do my best, dear listener, to give this the reading it deserves. Mm. That was... Really, something?
4: <laughs>
0: I didn't want to say anything because I didn't want to discourage my family from going to church, but afterwards, I wondered if that was the right approach. Please help. And there's a fantastic uh, breakdown of this on Glenn's blog. You can find it at UncleGlenn.com. But Glenn, let's, let's get into this a little bit. There's a lot going on here, and we've talked before about our feelings are made pretty well known about the way churches spend their money, and yeah. um, very few of them do it in a way we think is smart or right. good, but we don't have that job. But we've also talked about there's there's some things that come down to church that are just matters of taste, like anything else. Sure. And sure. It's not really worth going to the mat and telling your family they go to a bad church. So where does stuff like this fall? That's may not be bad, but there certainly seems like there's things we can do with this money. And it's is it our business? Where do we fall on this stuff?
1: Well, I think first and foremost, uh, as I pointed out in in the in the blog response, ultimately, uh, you know, if there's nothing wrong with a show, if that's what you want to do sure. okay, fine. You know. Uh you might think about buying theater tickets. You'd probably get a better more, experience. You'd probably get more pageantry there than at an Easter pageant, but it's whatever your taste is. Uh uh you couldn't get me to go to an Easter pageant if you paid me, so I but that as you point out, that's a matter of taste. On this show, yeah,
0: we we could get to go to a pageant of any kind if we paid you.
1: That's right. On this show, there there we we actually uh, will talk about things that that we are displeased with, of course, but we're actually not talking about stuff that's a matter of taste. In other words, because nobody cares, nobody has any. A nobody, cable
0: cam is not a matter of taste.
1: Yeah. No. Nobody cares what we think about it, our, our what our taste is on yep. anything. So we wouldn't bore you with that. We wouldn't waste your time with it. If we're saying here's something I dislike uh, we're we're referencing something where we've been ministering to people talking to people helping them out and they are having a struggle because a church or a denomination or a, a musician or somebody is doing something weird uh, an author etc and then that's causing them problems in their walk and that's why we're displeased with that so this is not you know so Easter pageant isn't really going to cause a problem in your walk. And sure. so it doesn't matter what I think about it. Uh, if you like it, great. If your family likes it, great. That's fine. But the thing that we do want to to point out here is... Uh, is Well, I suppose is to ask the counter-question, why a pageant? As opposed to um, anything else. Right. Like, just literally. Anything something. else. Just do something. Sure. Like, that people would be fulfilled by yeah you know uh try that uh the the truth is that um as you know we uh if you listen to this program you know that we deal with pastors and we work with denominations and we a, a lot of those conversations are dealing with i am struggling to connect with my people i'm struggling to reach them and inspire them and get them passionate and getting them to show up for things and getting them to participate. And there's always a sense of, I need a special doodad to do that. I need a gimmick. I need a trick. I need a, a and that could be a special program. It could be a music thing. It could be an event thing, whatever. And this is going to get us where we're going. Here's the deal on, is that long-term that stuff never really works. Uh, At the end of the day, uh, it's, it's about a very simple motto that we preach uh, around here constantly, and that is feed them and they will come. If you feed people, they're coming back, no question about it. Spiritually speaking. Spiritually feed them. Now, that doesn't mean uh, that you will get huge numbers day one. It means the people that you fed this week are coming back next week. They'll start witnessing and, and to their friends and inviting their friends, and that will happen at, at a slow but steady rate. And when those people come, if they get fed, they're coming back. So it's a recipe for slow and steady growth. But I've done you know, church youth ministry, I've done prison ministry, uh, uh, urban ministry, you know, street-level stuff, everything in between. I've never had problems with numbers, never had problems with being able to get ministry up and running because I took the policy of strip away the and tree and the, the the ceremony and the, the all the extraneous stuff and really focus on connecting with people by serving them, giving them what they need, making sure that you're feeding them spiritually and they'll come back.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely a fantastic way to start, but it must be said, and Lee, I'd love to go to you on this as someone who does work at a church. Um, that is absolutely the right technique. That's what we want to look for in a church. One of the things that uh, we need to look at this is that Christmas and Easter is not necessarily... Mm-hmm. May not be the best time to judge whether or not a church does that. That's a good point. Right. Um, from inside a pastor's view, Lee, I know it's um, the the Easter pageant may not be the way the leadership team wants to go. But right. yeah. you know, uh, there, we if we know that there's this is kind of a big family holiday, and parents want kids to, something to be in, and we might get a lot more visitors, so we don't want to really go out there. What?
1: How? That's do a good you, point. It's not always the pastor's idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah.
0: From But from being behind a church and planning a church service every week, when it comes to trying this kind of stuff and doing this kind of stuff that may not achieve the ministry goals you as a church port have, but take us inside the idea of how churches who are doing things the right way may kind of use something like this and how that may differ from a normal Sunday.
3: Yeah, I I, I think you make a great point in that <clears throat> at some of these kind of, uh, you know, big holiday Sundays, uh, the churches like to turn it up a little bit. You know, they, they, they kind of, they kind of, uh, put on the glitz and a a lot of places do. Um, yeah.
0: And part of that may be because that's what the people in the pews expect. Yeah. If people grew up in churches where there was a big Easter thing, it it may just be part of serving them to have an Easter thing.
3: That's right. I mean, our church Mm -hmm. is, you know, where I work is, is a, is a pretty laid back, you know, place and. And you know, I mean, we do we do some things that churches traditionally do. We take communion, that kind of stuff, you know, once a month or something. But uh, I remember uh, one time I wore, uh, I, you know, we had one of these fancier services. You know, people are going to be dressed up more. You know that people are coming in with some of those expectations. I I usually kind of wear a button down shirt, but this one time I put on I put on like a, a tie. And uh, and my boss, as soon as he walked in the door, he pointed his finger at me and said, hypocrite. You are a hypocrite. You don't ever wear a tie. Take <laughs> that leadership. tie off of your neck. Yep, you are a hypocrite. Yep. You know. So, but yeah, I mean, sometimes you 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 do kind of move towards um, people that are coming in, even if even if the folks who are coming in, all these visitors, they don't even know what church is supposed to look like. But we're all kind of moving towards each other a little bit, and some of that stuff. Our church doesn't do any of the big pageantry or anything like that. We'll sometimes have kind of a, you know, some choirs and stuff like that. But I think in the middle of all of this, there there are some things to look at, which are, you know, I, I guess there are people out there that go to church, like Glenn said, for the concert, for the show, for the, for the glitz and glam and all that kind of stuff. But I would say most folks, even if they are attracted to stuff like that, Most folks, if they make a connection, if they really love their church, it's because they've made a few key relationships in that place. Exactly, yes. And so what I would say is, you know, what we want to do is, especially if if your family is going to a big mega church, you want to encourage them to go to church, but maybe you feel hinky about the the way that they turned up for this service or the way that this kind of thing happens or that kind of thing happens. What I would do is I would engage conversation that leads them towards... Are there is there a community group that you know somebody in? Is there a helps ministry that you could get involved in? Is there some kind of <clears throat> some kind of training wheels ministries where you can help clean up, help move stuff, whatever, where you can encourage your family to get involved in? If you know, especially if they're new to church, or if they're if they're kind of getting reintroduced to church after taking you know a couple decades off or something like that, um, and. and because these kinds of these kinds of connections they do a couple of things one they give people a purpose and that's a huge deal um if somebody comes to a place and they have a purpose this is the little place where i fit in this is where i help i work in the nursery and i rock the babies and i see this i see these babies every other week and and these these you know these moms and grandmas and stuff like that and i'm and i'm making friends in this way or i'm in this community group and you know and we're you know, these people are praying for me, and I'm praying about for so-and-so and and their family. There are ways, even in some of these big mega churches, there are ways to take a big church and to make that church small. And these Mm -hmm. are the kinds of relationships that we want to encourage, especially if your deal is, man, I just, I don't like or connect to any of this stuff, and we all kind of feel weird about it, but I don't want to discourage my family from going to church, because maybe there's some good stuff going on here, I don't really know. I would key in on some of those kinds of things. Are there some kind of training wheels types ministries or helps ministries that you can encourage some involvement in? Is there a community group or some relationships? Because that's where people take a big church and make it small. That's where people find purpose and they find connection. When we find purpose and connection, then even if, you know, like Matt's saying, you know, Christmas and Easter, some of these places are going to go crazy. They're going to lose their ever-loving mind, you know? But, but... uh, you know, normally throughout the year, there's going to be some good. You know, there might be some good community groups in there. It might be some good teaching that's going on and stuff like that. So there, there might be plenty of stuff that you have no problem encouraging whatsoever. And so, I would look for some of those types of conversations.
0: That's absolutely right. I think that's a fantastic place to say that. And Jed, I'd love you to pick up. Actually, kind of right, we're talking there about. There's also, in a sense of, as Glenn and Leah talked about, there's taste yeah. versus things that are actually a problem. It also must be said that there are varying levels of things that are unpalatable. Yep. As much as we all like, the, would love the idea of we could just kind of... There's no perfect church. Nope. There's no um, church that has everything lined out the way it needs to be, But so we have to have some kind of level of... Equilibrium here, and we actually deal with that with the guys we um, minister to at the bridge a lot. And I was uh, my our friend Pete and I were in Cook County Jail earlier today, and there was a guy talking about he was reading a book by a pastor that we know for a fact, as in like Glenn has met him personally, is really jacked up, has some serious issues, and on some really weird stuff. But I, it's it's not worth telling the guy who is reading this thing he thinks to be good and Christian that that is wrong. Sure. If he has wrong thoughts that come out of that, it's worth dealing with those one-on-one. But where do we find those in the sense of, as opposed to being the, the screwed up church police, how do we encourage what's good as opposed to discouraging what we may think is bad? That's a great question. Well, I think that we need to acknowledge a few things. The first
2: is trying to call out everything that's going on in Christendom that's kind of not exactly legit and not exactly cool is the never-ending saga? Right, right, you will never ever get to the bottom. I mean, you can spend the rest of your life doing that, and here's right, the funny thing: yeah. not accomplishing anything in the process. Right. Yeah. Um, it, it's weird, and I think particularly in in the day and age of, of Twitter, this gets lost. Noting that something is bad is not accomplish anything. Right. Not on its own. Right, right. Um, that can be a part of a broader strategy and a broader thing, but just that is bad. Well, you you haven't done anything right, yet. Right. 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 You know, they say that people that are experts at combating counterfeits, particularly counterfeit currency, the thing that makes them good at what they do is they are so in touch with what the authentic article looks and feels like. They know it backwards and forwards, what the real thing is, so that when they see a forgery, they instantly know it's off. They might not be able to tell you what about it is off, but it doesn't matter. I I, I know the real thing. This is not that. Right. All right? That's actually how I'm told anyway. That's how those folks do that work. Well, I'd encourage you to do something similar here. There is no end to the number of things that can go wrong in a church. There's no end to, as, as Matt put it, the gradations of this is a little wrong. This is a lot wrong. There's no end to all that. But what you can do is do something that is legit for you. In other words, Jesus said, feed the hungry, visit the sick, uh, care for the imprisoned. You can go do those things. If right. you are doing those things you are doing something that is fully 100% legit. Whether, whether this church's Easter thing is legit or not doesn't actually matter. You're doing something that's legit. But once you find something that's legit, here's the thing that you do then. This is where it really becomes God's kingdom on earth, is you take all the people you love and find a way to get them involved in this legit mm. thing that you're doing. Right. You make room for them to join you in this thing that is good and right and mm. true and beautiful. If you will do that... You'll actually be solving this bigger problem along the way. When people find something really good and really right and really true and really beautiful, and they get involved with it, they get plugged into it, it starts to become a part of them. Their desire to be a part of things that aren't legit goes down. Um, We don't don't actually live this life by getting rid of all the bad stuff first and then doing good stuff. It's actually kind of the opposite. We lean more and more into the good things God has for us, and those kind of push out the bad things, and that's right. actually the strategy that we encourage you to take here, is to find a way to get involved in good, legit, godly things in your life, and then make a space for the people you love to become involved in them, too.
0: That's all really fantastic stuff you've heard from these guys, and it really is true that we can see all these people as kind of on a journey, Yeah, and it's a lot more helpful to move someone along their journey for teaching So to try and encourage someone to take the thing that is good and... Uh, kind of overpraise that, push them in that direction, as opposed to trying to chop out the things that are bad. It's, it's not a surprise. We've not hidden it on the show. Um, all the awful people here from the show think that small churches are better than big churches. Yeah. Um, almost in direct proportion to the smallness and the bigness thereof. But if someone goes from not church at all to a church that, while we think they spend money in a stupid way and they're trying to make the pastor famous, but all that stuff. But if it's preaching the gospel and there's yep. people there that care about them and it was no church to this church, yep. that's a positive step. Absolutely. It's great. The yep. idea, as we're talking about here, is to help them and be a part of their life that helps them grow to the point that they will outgrow where they yes. currently are. Yes. But you get a lot more going that way than going the other way. And it's a lot more, it's a lot more pleasant for you— in that kind of midway point to find the positive thing and encourage that and use words to build up which Uh is a phrase i'm just making up on my own now Mm, very as opposed to the other way you know if someone let's say someone comes out with a and i will use him as the example because apparently of all the weird jacked up megachurch pastors he's the only one christians are allowed to make fun of someone has a joel osteen book right instead of saying that's bad you should feel bad you say if you like him here's another book you might really like by someone I think is good. yeah, yeah. It's a little more challenging. There's a little more stuff to it, but I think you'd really dig it. And we can sit down and talk about it. That's actually more growth for your family and your friend. And it's a lot less soul sucking for you to find the positive. So if, if you have an overall strategy, I would say that's a good place to start. We'll move on to our second question here. It came in anonymously and it says, I know that as Christians, we're supposed to be content. But there are also things that God wants to change about us and grow us in. How do I find the balance behind, between being content but staying motivated? And Lee, why don't you want to start us off on this one?
3: Yeah, I think this is a really cool question. It's a sharp question, um, uh, especially because you know I think that uh, for a lot of people, taking stock of their own spiritual life and figuring out uh, how do I know if where I am is a good place and how do I know where to go next. I mean, that's not a thing that a lot of people take um you know a lot of that are a lot of people are very motivated about i think if i could you know i, I would kind of i would kind of steer you away from the the, the word contentment as far as uh, the word's contentment and change and and i would kind of steer you if i could into um another word which not a lot of christians talk about for some reason but the word humility mm. and that is um humility humility gets a weird rap just because people misunderstand what this word is about But a biblical definition of humility is just that you would see yourself as you really are. You would have a correct view of who you are, so you wouldn't have an overinflated view of who you are. Uh, The Apostle Paul talks about looking at yourself with sober judgment. Um, You know, so don't look at yourself with the with the beer goggles. You know, don't (laughs) don't don't get above your raisin there. You would look at yourself with sober judgment, is the way the Apostle Paul talks about it. You, um, but you would. you wouldn't have an overinflated version of yourself but you also wouldn't sell yourself short yeah. or you wouldn't sell yourself as the the victim of everything or you wouldn't or you wouldn't uh you wouldn't look at yourself as you know the the worst worm in the history of the world or whatever so here's what um humility would look like is humility is i want to have a correct view of myself which means that i let god tell me who i am i let god tell me um what what my value is and what my worth is, which means if I do that, then here's what I'm here's some things I'm going to find out is if I believed in Jesus, I am completely and totally accepted by Him. I am completely accepted as His child. My past is erased. He will he has forgotten all of my wrong. He is never going to hold it against me. Uh, Psalm 103 says He does not treat me as my sins deserve. So when you're looking at uh, you know I think your word contentment, I would I would change to the word accepted. I am completely accepted. That's that's a humble view of who I am. It's 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 better than I would naturally see myself in some ways. And then in the other on the other sense, I would also let the Lord tell me who I am because the Holy Spirit is going to gently and sweetly he's going to to show me the growing edges, the places where I do need to grow and move and change. And and I would have I would want I want to give God permission to tell me who I am and I have a very small people a very small circle of people that i trust who i would allow you know the the permission to tell me who i am in the same way so that i see myself accepted by god his child completely his and at the same time a person who who is not there yet who has some growing edges and who needs to make some changes if we can get our our heads around what biblical humility is then i think that's where we're going to land in that as you, as you're trying to figure out this balance of of the fact that I'm already accepted by God because of the grace of Jesus, but I have some growing edges, and the Holy Spirit is going to show those to me, and people that care about me that I can trust, they're going to show me how to line that out as well.
0: That's it's a really fantastic place to start this off. That is a lot of really good stuff, and this really is rooted in identity, maybe more than anything else. And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick, up there, pick us up there with something Lee was talking about, which I think is absolutely right on and merits a little further explanation, which is the what contentment actually means versus yep. how it gets used in yep. church stuff. Yep. So if we're talking about got, got, a contentment is, is gain, that is in the Bible, yep. but what does that actually mean? That's a great question. So
2: let's, here's, you said you know that as Christians we're supposed to be content. So here's the verse you've probably heard referenced. This is 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, and it says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Okay, well, that's a good word, but uh, per, Matt, your question, and Lee, per everything you're saying, what does yeah. that word contentment actually mean? Well, if you look at the Greek word there, what it really is referring to is sufficiency. I have mm-hmm. all that I need. That's that's actually essentially what it's mm-hmm. saying. And we might know that that's actually not what most people think of when they think of contentment. Right. They Um They, they actually... Th- Contentment is, well, I kind of have everything I want. That's not quite the same as I have everything I need. Those are two pretty different ideas.
0: Or sometimes I think of it as not having the things you need, but being happy anyway, which is also not what it actually
2: means. Exactly right. Exactly right. It means I've got everything that I need. Now, you've asked a, a very interesting question, which is, you know, how do we, in essence, you're saying, how do we be cool with where we're at, but also... Um, you know, feel a sense of push to keep growing and keep changing? And that's, that's a great question. Here's the thing that I would offer to you as a thought experiment. If God came to you, I want to take each important area of your life. If God came to you and said, this, from this day forward, this area of your life is not going to change or improve. This area is not going to grow. It's not going to get better. It's going to be just like it is now for the rest of your life. My question is, could you be okay with that? Could you accept that? Could you live with that? And if not, this is the really critical part, why not? What is it about what you're dealing with in that area of your life where the idea that it would never really improve past where it is would just be unacceptable to me? I just I just couldn't live with that. Because therein is actually the tension between contentment and improvement mm-hmm. everybody wants to improve everybody they you know i mean can, to be clear contentment is not opposed to improvement these are these are not ideas that are in opposition in any way shape or form uh, we are meant to grow we are meant to evolve we are meant to improve um, and so you shall that's you know even in a secular sense that's mm-hmm. a healthy life involves continuous revision and growth and improvement that's just part of life on planet earth but When we have a thing where we say, I need this area of my life to get better, I need this to be different, we have left contentment behind at that point, and we've actually gotten into something that would be much closer to discontentment. Mm -hmm. Let's shift gears for a second and talk about a different verse, and I'll tell you why it's related. Jesus said, and you've definitely heard this, if you look at a woman with lust in your eyes, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. That's a hard word. That's tough. Why did he say that? Well, at least part of why he said that is as follows. Lust, at least in part, is the belief this thing would make me happy. This is the thing that stands between me and happiness. Mm -hmm. If I just had this thing, then I could be happy and whole and complete that is lust. That is the definition right. of, of lust. And at least part of what Jesus is saying is whatever you believe that about in your heart, you're already pursuing it in your actions. Right, right. Even if you don't see it, if you decide this woman will make me happy, she is what stands between me and happiness, you'll find a way to be with that woman. Right. But it's just as true this paycheck Is what I need to be happy. If I had this paycheck, I would be happy. You will find a way to get that paycheck. That's Mm -hmm. that's going to, to happen. It's as good as done. So let's bring it back to contentment. If you've got an area in your life where you say, I need this to improve before I can be happy. I need this to get better before I can feel whole, before I can feel complete, then we're actually in a prison in a way. Right. We're we're dealing actually with a lust problem Mm -hmm. is what we're dealing with. There's a few things that happen. First, we've kind of left behind what God thinks about that area because we are now in charge of this area. The second is we're on the path to ruin, both because we're going to do dumb stuff to get that thing and because it's not going to work when we get there. That's right. It's guaranteed it's not going to pay off. Right, right, right. But here's the last part, and this is a big part of why... Godliness with contentment is great gain. A contented person can actually enjoy the extra that comes into their life. Yeah. If you have a sufficiency, if you have all that you need, then when you receive an abundance over and above that, it's simply a gift. Uh-huh. You can enjoy it. You can experience delight. You can share it with other people. Mm-hmm. You can use it the way God wants it to be used. If you need it, all of that goes away. That's right. Your enjoyment of it goes away. Your ability to let God call shots on it goes away. Your ability to be generous with it goes away. God wants you to truly enjoy the blessings that he brings into your life. And so that's why he's pressing you towards a place of saying, in Jesus, I have all that I need right now, today.
0: I think it's a really fantastic place to take that. And Glenn, I'd love you to close us out on this. I think another aspect of this we need to bring in is there's contentment in -hmm. and of yourself, yeah, There's changes you need to make. And then there's other people being contented with you and changes right. other people think you may need to make. Yeah. And one of these really is we just can't have in this equation, right? Yeah.
1: Well, that's right. I mean, uh, the, the cornerstone that we're trying to focus on here is love. We want to love other people. That doesn't mean make other people happy because we can't do that. It doesn't mean uh, uh, try to get everyone's approval – uh, that 's not love that's that's not what love does uh, also we're talking about balancing my internal needs for contentment and a sense of accomplishment and purpose with an external uh, uh desire to do things for other people and also to handle my responsibilities if i'm uh, you know i have uh to do stuff at work and uh, you know I, I owe them work for the paycheck that i 'm earning and so on and so forth. So uh it's uh, the first step is to recognize that love does not uh, love for myself and serving myself does not compete with loving other people and serving other people. Uh that that same impulse to love them and and to both uh, to do that and love myself means that I recognize I have to be good to myself in order to be good to other people. So that that the logic of that just presents itself and it's not a a, comp, a, a a competition between those two. Now, getting that balance right, of course, takes work, and, and, and a lot of us struggle with that, but it's there's still an awareness. I need to be good to myself so I can be good to others. Mm-hmm. So uh, love allows us to navigate that uh, pretty well. Uh, but in terms of the negative th- side of things that we need to get rid of, I would put two things on your list, obligations and human expectations. Okay you have obligations, of course, and other human beings have expectations of you. You can't rid yourself of those things. But it's living your life so you aren't focused on those things, that you're not trying to answer to those things. If I love you and I am committed to your good and I am I am serving you and I'm helping you out and you aren't happy with that, I don't care what obligations i have or what your expectations of me are i am already acting above and beyond any reasonable expectation i am i'm am not operating on the basis of i'm obligated to do something good for you i just want to and i am mm-hmm. but people don't like that they they're particularly manipulative people <laughs> yeah. they they want to say you should have the we're family you should always do things right. for family you just took the love and turned it into an obligation There is not going to be any contentment on this thing. Uh, There's not going to be any staying motivated on this thing. The whole thing has broken down. Uh, And I think, again, we have to reject that. We have to push back uh, to that within ourselves and in our relationships with other people and say, I'm not operating on the basis of expectation, I'm not operating on the basis of obligation. I'm operating on the basis of love. I'm doing the things that love demands of me in this situation. And love demands that I come and I help you out and do this and do that. But love also demands that I take a break and go somewhere else where you aren't. Because even though I love you, you suck the life out of me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I have to put some in. So there's something there. So there's something there for later and for other things and for living. So... I love you, but no, and that's what it is. So I think uh, uh, you know, getting away from obligations and human expectations uh, is is key there. Uh, you can't, and again, as we said at the beginning, you can't make other people happy. You cannot do that. Uh, contentment, as Jeb was saying, is is a is a choice that you make. You choose happiness. Yeah. That's that no, circumstances don't give that to you. The things that you're left lusting after, as he said, don't give that to you you're driven by the fact that you choose happiness, you choose love, you choose to serve other people, and that puts you beyond obligations it puts you beyond expectations uh You do find contentment ultimately in that, and you're driven and motivated by that desire to serve somebody because you love them and love won't let
0: you sit still I think that's a really great place to wrap this up i think that and that is a big part of how you find a motivation that is not rooted in the things that we may use to motivate ourselves like guilt, like shame, like an overall crushing expectation when you're, doing things out of love, out of a positive place that is inherently going to keep you motivated, but not with this, as you're pointing out, this idea that I have to do this so that people will accept me or I will not be a sniveling worm or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If you Mm -hmm. come with positive motivations, that makes it easier to have positive outcomes. And we're going to move on to our final question here. This actually came in to a separate inbox. That would be thebridgeloud at gmail.com with the aforementioned radio show. But this was our topic last week, and it's a really good one. So I thought we'd... we'd reuse it here on the say that which has a different audience the bridge loud i think people get a lot out of it this question says i graduated but my friend is the year behind me in school and she still gets bullied a lot how do i help her now if you check out the bridge loud as you can on the Bridge Loud podcast feed we talked to a licensed clinical social worker alana grenda who gave us a lot of very cool um uh, advice on this, and Jed actually interviewed her. And Jed, I'd love to get you started us off with just what did you learn from talking to an actual professional about this stuff?
2: That's a great question. The thing that I learned from talking with Ilana, who, again, is a professional, it's what she does for a living, is to do the thing that you are qualified to do. And that, in this case, is to be a friend. That's the thing that you're qualified to do. You are not the school principal. You're not the school guidance counselor. Uh, you are not a ninja commando who can go and beat up the bad guys. Right. Um, but,
0: you, but I feel like if I really applied myself, I could, like, there, the ninja commando skills within me would come out.
2: Well, maybe someday, but that's if not I'm a short-term thing.
0: Say Uh, one more time. If I'm pure of heart.
2: Well, no, that doesn't really have anything to do with it. It's also really not in the cards for me. So we we shouldn't think about that. Well, you know, uh, but yeah, do the thing that you can do. And what you can do is to be a friend. Uh, I think the thing that we often get in trouble with and, and we can (laughs) make things worse actually is when we undervalue what being a friend to someone going through a rough time can do. Mm -hmm. Um, you're not the principal. You're not the school guidance counselor. Um, You're not their parents. Um, you, You are their friend. And that is worth so, so, so much. You know, I'm old enough now that I can look back on times, particularly when I was a younger person, that were really rough times. And what sticks out to me, generally speaking, are the people who were a friend to me. In that mm-hmm. season. That's, mm. that's what sticks out. It's, it's rarely the, the magical word of wisdom. I read a Christian book and it blew my mind. That, that doesn't that stick out. That never
0: happens.
2: No, it's the people right. that were friends to me. And it wasn't the magical things they said to me. It right. was just them being with me yeah. and, and loving me and, and being there for me. Those times strengthened me in a way that I'm not sure I appreciated at the time. I appreciate is the wrong word. I'm not sure I understood at the time how much impact that was having. Mm-hmm. I can look back and know it had a huge impact. Yep. You have the ability here, and if this is a young lady who doesn't have a lot of friends, then all the more you have an ability here to to support her and build her up and strengthen her and encourage her because the truth is she's going to keep facing this for a while. Um, If she's, you know, a junior in high school, a senior in high school, she's got some time left, unfortunately, to deal with this. But you can keep being a force that encourages her, that builds her up, that gives her that strength, that helps her to keep going. And that ultimately is what she really needs.
0: Yeah, that's the perfect place to start out with that. and. Leah, I'd love to get you to pick us up there on this idea of do what you can, but then there are uh, there are things that need to be done probably about uh, people at the school who need to be alerted and all that stuff. And it's important to find a way not to do that for your friend, not to badger your friend about that, but to have a healthy encouragement to the help someone needs. And how do we provide that? Well, one of the
3: things that um, that can be hard to understand when you're on the outside of it is that when you are the victim of something like this you can't you can't really see that there are some very easy and basic steps that i could take to change my situation um a, a lot of times it feels like i'm in a I, i'm in a i'm in kind of a, a a dark hole there's nothing i can do about it nothing will ever change this this is an inevitable uh this is an inevit- inevitable situation this is who they are this is who i am And there's nothing that can change, and it's one of those things where there actually um, there are professionals in the school whose job it is to you know change your schedule so that you have a different walking path um, through the physical building. There are some actual like logistical changes that that people will sit down and map out and make so that you have a completely different, so that a person who's going through something like this will have a completely different experience in the school. Um, in their school day, there's also there are homebound programs. There are all kinds of different ways that that school professionals, administration, counselors, and stuff like that will handle situations like this. But f- a lot of times, for the for the victim in the middle of the situation, they they can't see the clear. You know, they don't. A lot of times, can't see the clarity of if I talk to this person, it will make my situation better. So there are some suggestions that you can make to where like, hey, let's tell this story to this person. That feels like a shameful thing. That feels like an embarrassing thing a lot of times, but there are, there are some really just, uh, there are people whose job it is to make sure that this kind of stuff is, is stopped and to make sure that they, that they, you know, strategically and tactically, it's not all, um like i love that jed said um you know that it was never somebody that had the great christian quote from the devotional book or something like that it's not inspirational stuff yeah, that that, yeah. that people do in these types of situations a lot of times it literally looks like all right what's the uh, what's your schedule after a fourth period okay you're going down through this hallway we are literally going to change the the class section that you're in to this period, so that you are in that hallway at a completely different time of the day than that person or this group or whatever. And those are the kinds of it, it seems it seems weird, it seems innocuous, but those are the kinds of changes that 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 people will look at making so that you have a totally different experience. But as as Matt's saying, you you can't really just have those kinds of conversations on behalf of your friend for the you know with the administration and stuff like that, but you can encourage let 's go together i 'll mm. go with you into that meeting it won't be as scary um, you won't be alone, but this is a kind of thing that this that your friend has to kind of take up and and um and initiate on on her own um so that so that they can you know start doing their job because and the thing is is that most school counselors most school professionals administration that are worth their salt they want to do their job and they want to do it well and so we want to set everybody up for a situation where they can where they can do this and where they can help but um but you know but you can kind of you can ease some of the some of the fear of this by saying hey I'll go with you but we need to start this process we need to start these conversations and big changes can actually happen through some of this kind of strategies and and, uh, you know, that that counselor's administration can do.
0: That is a really great point. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick us up there, because one of the things that when we talked to Alana on the on the radio show was she focused on kind of noticing what the when someone is just kind of going through a crappy time in a way that we all do and is processing that versus when we take a turn to now someone being in trouble. Mm-hmm. And you know, she mentioned things like uh, you know, sudden change in somebody's personality and talking about how. Uh, you know, obvious things, talking about how nothing matters and that kind of defeat. It's not it. worth it. It's mm. not worth it. Those kind of things Lee talked about. Um, but part of our role, I think as someone's friend here, is monitoring that stuff. That's right. Particularly because, as Lee's saying, when you're in the cloud of going through something awful like this, right. you're not the best judge for when you're taking it extra hard. Sure. So how do we do that in a way that isn't Kind of hovering over someone or making it right. worse by being dramatic ourselves. How do we do right, that in right. a helpful way? Well,
1: I think the key thing uh, is these fellows are talking about listening is is really important. It's really key. Uh, what we're looking to do is to allow our friends to vent off the frustration, the you know, the dis- displeasure with this, the you know, the 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 the, the sense of. Uh, you know, being powerless to stop this other person from being a jerk and so forth. We all have situations in our life where somebody's being a jerk. You know, grown folks have in-laws that don't yeah. behave themselves or landlords or bosses or whatever. There's bullying in offices too. Sure. It, yeah, it may not be quite the exact same kind of dimensions of what you're facing, but it, it creates the same kind of need in the sense of you need to have a friend that can sit down and let you just gripe about it and yeah. vent about it and get it off your chest. And as, as Jed was saying, there's a great ministry to that, but there's a point where that's no longer doing it.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: There's a point where I, have, uh, I, I am, A, I'm not really able to vent off how I feel because it's overwhelming me, and B, I have vented about it and I still feel overwhelmed. You know, I still feel like I just can't go back to this building. I can't go back to these people, whatever the thing is. That's the turning point that we need to be focused on. And I think that's going to give us that litmus test of uh, listening and being a good ear is just not getting it done anymore. At that point, because you've done a good listening, uh, part of what you can do is start acclimating this person on how are we going to escalate this? How are we going to talk? You know, is, Exactly as lee's talking about, uh you know we need to talk to somebody in the, in the school and the administration and and ex- discuss the situation with them, but I find a lot of people who have struggles they they have a a, a crisis they feel stuck they're they're overwhelmed right. by the thing, so they don 't know where they would start on dealing with it, and that gets them overwhelmed so a big part of what we can do to help is to say okay um if it gets to this point, what will we do? Mm. We, don't have to dis- mm-hmm. we don't have to do it, but we have the plan in place. Mm. If it gets yeah, to a point awesome. where you can't take it anymore, what, and you have that all laid out, so, and then it becomes a discussion. Are we at that point or are we not at that point? Do we feel like we're getting close to that point? So that friend can say, I'm at that point, and you know what to do, and your friend knows what to do, and you execute the plan.
0: That is really fantastic stuff. One last thing I would throw on the end of all the fantastic stuff these guys gave us is it is important, and this is maybe if you're an older person who's hearing this, maybe if you're a parent or something. Um, I've had some, some friends who've gone through similar things, both themselves or with people they love, and they've done that very well. One of the reasons is you can't jump right to diagnosing for yourself, whether or not this is credible. Uh, I believe you, and that sucks, are very important things to say out loud. It's right, important right, right, not right. to rush to, well, maybe, you know, everybody, you know, every school has jerks in it, and every everybody has people be them at some point. Because particularly, even if you're, I mean, uh, I'm 31, I'm not, you know, old by any chance, but I did not grow up with social media. There are people who are 25, 26, who did not grow up with Snapchat and that kind of stuff in the way that it is now. So to jump immediately to trying to press something into your own understanding. Yeah. And if you didn't go to that school, if you're not that gender, if you're not that age... It it you can think you're being helpful, you can think you're giving good advice, but if you don't start and lean on listening, exactly like Glenn was saying, then you you risk kind of misfiring on something, yeah. which we certainly don't want to do. So listen, it has to start with listening to your friend and taking their word for things. Mm. Not you know if they say that someone is doing this thing that sounds crazy to you, you can't imagine that someone would you know steal a photo or that, or why would they do that. That's not your place to say that. It's yes. your place to take it as it is, be there for your friend. And that right. takes a lot of pressure off you, and you can focus on putting in the good strategies these guys have given you. Now, not only did we talk to Alana Grenda on this subject, not only did do a whole radio show on this subject, we actually put together a song. Indeed we did. As well. Uh, Brother Jed wrote... A song we got our friend Grammy nominated. The Grammy Awards, honey. Mm. Maybe you've heard of them. Mm. Lydia Salnikova, fantastic vocalist to record it for us. It's all based on the uh, professional and excellent advice we got from licensed clinical social worker, Alana Grenda. The song is called What They Say About Me. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's a push to say. It rocks. Indeed. And we're going to take it with that right Right. now. So if you have a question for us, say that podcast, at gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it.
1: Three out of four college professors agree that regularly listening to the Say That podcast is essentially the same as a complete college education.
4: No! (laughs)